Andy, the draft looms, and what do we discuss today? We got to be talking about all the the last 24-hour rumors. Who are you most confident the Giants are going to draft? And who do you want the Giants to stay away from tomorrow? Uh, There's so many things and so little time. But first, drop that brass. With that, we welcome in uh, both our Sportscaster fan base as well as the Facebook group as we go live on multiple platforms here on the One Giant Podcast, a podcast podcast, along with myself, Adam Warbeck. Obviously, there's my co-host and uh, as uh, as uh, as the Yankee uh, radio broadcaster say, my co-pinera, Andy Makowitz. Adam, could you be more excited for the draft with no sports like the draft coming up in uh, almost 24 hours? has me jazzed up right now oh dude it's this is i think finally it's over right finally finally the waiting is within basically 24 hours 30 hours if you want to be specific that that this is all start to happen and giants fans can as you know be be completely dismayed by what they choose to do with the fourth overall pick and, and really know one way or the other where you're going to stand at a given position on defense or offensive side of the ball. So I'm happy that this is coming to a close because there's just a certain level of anxiety that I want to stop having around, around what the giants are going to do. Right. Yeah. I, I have that same pit in my stomach where, you know, I think we all, well, a lot of giant fans, it seems like there may be some factions that have different beliefs on where they want to go, but for the most part, you know, the giant fans that I've been talking to, really are just hoping, you know, obviously if we can trade back, that's great. But at the end of the day, shoring up the offensive line and getting an offensive tackle feels like the the non-sexiest pick that people are excited about as a Giants fan. Yeah, and, and there's still that, there's that evaluation through fans or through pundits that say Simmons and how, how does this team view and value the position and adding that extra piece, obviously. So there's still, I think there's still a little bit of a split there, though a lot of the speculation is is on the offensive line and which guy is the guy. So what we're going to do is kind of dive in here quickly with some news and notes, the, the rumors that are starting to build up a little bit around the Giants. One particular subject that I think uh, pat myself on the back there a little bit. And, and then we'll kind of dive in on, on where we think the Giants needs now fall at this point heading into the draft. A couple of notes of where we think they could or should go along the way as well. So first and foremost, Giants news out the gate right now. As it stands, the the, the speculation is that the Giants are going to be willing and ready to be active at that fourth overall pick in terms of possible trade down scenarios. Do you ultimately think that that will come to pass? Or is this that is it that smoke screen, you know, screen kind of area where if, if you think they're going offensive line, then they're just standing pat and taking the guy that they want? Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, we would trade back to the Chargers or the Dolphins and, and still get the person that we want and accumulate picks. And that would be a shrewd business decision by Dave Gettleman to be able to do that. You basically get the same guy that you were hoping for and you accumulate assets. Um yeah, of course the Giants are open for business. We're not one player away. And that one player that maybe we think could change the franchise is probably going to be drafted at number two, and that's Chase Young. So when, when you kind of look at what the Giants are, are doing, yes, they're open for business. It, it is hilarious that you know these reports come out that the Giants uh, had a video conference with Justin Herbert 
really interesting that the Giants would would even do it. But I guess they got to do their due diligence on all players. But uh, now is when the rumor mill comes up where they basically are talking to anyone and anyone, everyone and anyone that could go in the top 10. Well, and by the way, one of the things I think they point out as the, the, the footnote about having a video conference on these players, due diligence, of course. And then it is about, well, you could play this this quarterback at some point in the season. So why not go ahead and get some insights on him uh, in a pre-draft scenario that maybe you can use some of that information should you see him a- across the field later in the season. Uh, I'll address my concerns maybe at the back end of the podcast when we talk about committing to where we think the Giants are going to go at four. Uh, But as it stands, I think Gettleman would be doing a disservice if he wasn't active and willing to listen. Interesting thing about the the construct of a virtual draft for the first time uh, coming up tomorrow is that some of these things you may hear about the trades or the constructs of them a little bit ahead of time, because I think most GMs are certainly at least concerned about not being able to have quick communication, work out what potentially the parameters of a trade would be all while on the clock. So if some of these things happen, I think at least the baseline of them will be there. And then you can probably expect that that some of those nuggets are going to trickle out. The other piece of information that comes out here is there's some teams that are interested in adding depth, adding a weapon at the tight end position, specifically a a team that we went and got a couple of players off of them over the last season and a half in the 49ers, potentially an opportunity for the Giants to move Evan Ingram with the the 49ers wanting to get another weapon in there behind uh, George Kittle, obviously brings a lot of depth, potential upside for them. The parameters of this they laid out were something about the idea that the Giants would like to, in this scenario, take Ingram plus their fourth round pick in exchange for the 49ers 31st pick overall. On its face, is that a deal that you would accept? Yes, it is a deal that I would accept. I think um, the the Giants need way more help than Evan Ingram. You know, he's going into his fifth year option uh, starting next year. Uh, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy for the Giants. And I, I think, you know, we've you, you've seen what Caden Smith can do. Uh, you can see that they went out and addressed the blocking tight end, uh, coincidentally, from San Francisco in free agency. I, I think that the tight end position is relatively deep this year in, in this draft. And you could get someone like Thaddeus Moss in the fourth or the fifth, you know, if you give up the fourth round pick, potentially the fifth round. And I don't feel like, you uh, necessarily are hurting, you know, as a collective offense, knowing that you're getting a little bit more blocking on the field and knowing that you're getting younger and shedding a contract and you're picking up that first round, that key first round pick. And the one thing that people forget about late first round picks is that fifth year option. And it's why you're going to see during this draft, a lot of teams covet those late to 28 to 32 uh, picks in the first round, because you get a fifth-year option. So it's like a free lotto ticket on some of these skill positions. You'll see people trade back for someone like Jordan Love. You, you may even see someone trade in the first round for someone like Jacob Beeson just to be able to have that asset under control for that extra year of, of team control in a rookie deal. And not unlike what the Giants did with with DeAndre Baker last season, right? You sneak back in there, and if you feel like maybe we like him and we like his upside, but we like to have that extra year to see him develop and grow, so you, you jump in there to accomplish that, right? I, I mean, think think about it. The Ravens traded back up into the late, late, late first round to get Lamar Jackson. Talk about a winning lotto ticket that they got there. The difference between a second round pick and a first round pick on Lamar Jackson is an extra year of team control at like five or six million dollars, which is so valuable when you go into contract talks and these guys are getting 35 to 40 million dollars a year. So 
For me, I would love if we could find a way to package Evan Ingram to get back into the first round. It's a top 30 talent that you get to have under team control for almost five years at a, at a, on their rookie scale. So I'm all for it. I love I love the scenario. Uh, I, I don't know. To me, that feels like that's the ideal value for the Giants to be getting back there. I don't know if it's incredibly realistic for the 49ers. The 49ers may want to get out of 31 to build some assets because they don't have any picks until the fifth round after the after their two first round selections right now. But I just feel like it, it, it seems like it's a little bit rich. I know we're giving the fourth round as well. If that came across my table, I would be 100% on board with that because it means no matter what the Giants do at the top of the draft potentially, then they're still going to give themselves an extra player at the back end of the first, the fifth-year option, as you mentioned. And potentially, if a trade-down scenario worked out there for the Giants, you'd be talking about extra first-round pick, multiple seconds, maybe some extra thirds as well. So now you're really starting to stockpile. So very interesting that it's out there. It's something that I've, I've been throwing around a little bit as difficult, I will acknowledge, as it is to say, because I love Evan Ingram as a player. I like him as a person even. Unfortunately, at some point, you need to make that assessment of uh, you know, the value of this guy and the return on the investment. And I will say, one of the things I picked up from Scott Mason talking with him yesterday on the podcast, the thought that I got to was, got to remember, if the Giants were going to bring him back, you're talking about having to pay. Austin Hooper is on a $10 million plus year contract. I don't see the Giants paying that out to Evan Ingram. So that's the other reality here, right? If you're, if you're not going to have the financial room to bring him back, you might as well get some value now. Last but not least, little note about one of the potential targets for the Giants at the top end of the first round, and that is Tristan Wirfs. Uh, he came out in conversation saying that he is most comfortable on the right side at this point. Now, he also said, I don't think it's that much different than switching which hand you have down in the dirt and swinging over to the left side. But from the standpoint of if you're going to maybe take Wirfs, you're talking about plugging him in on the right side and then eventually developing and maybe swinging him around to the left. Does that change your perspective on, on investing in him at the top of the first round? I, I love these young draft uh, talents that come out and they say, I feel comfortable at this position most over every other one. And then they realize like, well, the left tackle position is probably worth I don't know, five million a year more potentially if you're really good. And he's like, oh, I, what I meant to say was like it's just switching hands. Like that's right. that's how simple it is to move from right tackle left tackle. Um, yeah, I mean, look, look, it it also depends on as a giant fan what you're ultimately looking to accomplish. You know, Lane Johnson's a pretty good right tackle. He protects the right hand side for for the Eagles. Uh, are we looking to just set it in, forget it on the right hand side, or are we thinking about the future with Nate Solder? Is is he going to be there for more than a year? Mm. Uh, if if you think that Nate is still a multi year player for the Giants, I have no problem taking someone on the right side and shoring up the line. But for me personally, I just feel like the left side is so important, and I'd love to have a left tackle that's ten year plus that sits there with Daniel Jones for his entire career. And, you know, for me, my flavor, it's Andrew Thomas. Yeah. And I think we're in alignment there as well. And it's just, it's just difficult to, again, if you want to talk about the possibility of trade downs, I think that's more where if you traded back, unlikely, say, beyond the 10th or 11th pick in the first round, and then Wirfs is there at, say, 12, that Vegas trade that we ran through. Well, then I can I, I can almost justify taking them because now you're talking about value where you're picking them. You still have 19, all those other things. But if you're up there in that top seven selection range, I think, again, to your point, you want to feel like lock it in, protect his protect Daniel Jones on the left side of the line. We turn our attention to the draft or we're still it's all about the draft. But over the course of looking at prospects and opportunities and where we think the Giants are going to go, have you changed at all where you think? 
the Giants team needs currently stand. I, I think we could we'll probably both agree it's offensive line and, and then probably edge rush and getting after the quarterback. But when you talk about the, those next positions of need, center, safety, wide receiver, uh, a linebacker, maybe you know, do you have you rotated any of these pieces around? And what is your what is your one to five in terms of team needs as you see it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think uh, I haven't necessarily changed uh, the the positions of need that I think the Giants have to address in this draft. But I do think maybe the pecking order of which one has moved around and fluctuated a little bit for me. Um, I don't think there's a position after after free agency where I've turned around and said, wow, I can't believe we we haven't thought about that one yet. You know, it's cl- it's a clear need. You know, I, I think you, you've brought up a, a couple of good points. But for, for me, it, it, number one is offensive line, specifically the tackle position which is why we keep banging on the number four pick being a, a tackle. I do think that we, we need center help still in, in some regard. Um, you know, I, on this podcast, I've talked before about how I feel like the center position, you can kind of get a little bit more value third round and on rather than some of these premier athleticism positions in, or early in the draft. Um, you know, I, I think for me, safety is still something that we absolutely have to address. I like Julian Love. I like what we saw from him, but to go into the season and put that flag on the ground and say he's going to be our guy and not have any backup plans or contingency plans or other talent to bring in, I think would be a pretty big mistake. And, you know, lastly, I think the way that I'm looking at it is we haven't addressed the edge rush position all that much. You know, we have, uh, you know, Fackrell who we brought in and we, and we hope can get some pressure on the outside, but you lose Marcus Golden. You don't make any free agent splashes on the outside position. So for me, I, I think we really have to address the edge rushing p- position, and uh, hopefully we can find someone in that two to fifth round where we maybe multiple picks where we kind of say we're going to bring in some talent to try to try to get younger and more athletic on the edge. Yeah, it's interesting. Again, offensive line, go ahead and take that off the board as being the primary need. I've kind of fluctuated a little bit for different reasons, and we'll get into it when we talk about some of the other areas we're going to address about staying away from players versus players we want to see the Giants target or locking into someone that we think the Giants will definitely select. Center for me is slid down the board significantly for a different reason than value in the later rounds to to, to the, your thinking on it. Um, I look at it more just as the other th- – when you talk about edge rusher, yes – then I do th- I do look at wide receiver and think based on where the talent pool lies, if we trade down or not from the second round or making some moves on the board, there is going to be a drop off in that talent selection when you get to compensatory third and fourth round picks. So if the Giants feel like they want to bring in another weapon for Daniel Jones, I tend to think that may be shifting up their board a little bit. Uh, the other issue too, as far as linebacker goes, while I don't think that we've done a great job necessarily in free agency in terms of building for the entire future. I do have to look and say, got an inside guy, got an outside guy, you know, brought in some pieces here and hope that some of the other talent currently on the roster continues to grow. The last piece probably for me where I think you and I differ a bit is safety. Uh, I know I know you you like what you saw from Love. I think I'm actually a little bit more confident if, if I went into the season saying that Love is back there in the secondary along with Jabril Peppers, I'll not live with it. I'll be happy with that going into the season. Doesn't mean I don't want to see someone brought in, but I could easily look maybe in that fifth round area and a guy like Tanner Muse, who is a large safety, 
borderline into the box kind of edge linebacker kind of player that has a little bit of different versatility from what we currently have on the roster. And maybe that's how you supplement that position without necessarily attacking it as high as, say, the second round uh, in this draft. So I've shuffled some pieces a little bit, and and I'll also acknowledge that I think offensive line, interior or outside, building that depth at the back end of this draft, I think is just as important as anything we're going to do in these mid-rounds at other positions. Because when you look at the depth of the Giants – Behind our starters, these names are not guys that you're you know brimming with confidence if they have to step in, especially if you if you think about the potential of Gates kicking in as the rumors have it, possibly into center. So there's a lot of moving parts there that I think we need to make sure we build depth. So I've shuffled a few pieces around. Um, and I think that initial wave is line, edge, and then maybe it is that wide receiver linebacker, you know, edge tandem inside of those second to fourth round picks. Yeah, you know, the the wide receiver one is an interesting one to me because I feel like wide receiver is a sexy pick. Everybody wants the, the the latest toy to give to Daniel Jones on the outside. Everyone is looking at that X position, who's going to fill it. And, you know, for the, for the giants, I, I wouldn't say that we have a, a top. Would you say the giants even have a top 15 wide receiving core? I, I don't, I don't know if I would even say that yet. We are spending $10 million almost for Sterling Shepard. We are spending 10 million on, on Golden Tate mm-hmm. and Darius Slayton emerged last year, obviously as, as a huge weapon and a, and a big win for the giants out of the fifth round. You know, I I'm, I'm okay with, with bringing in another wide receiver and spending a second, third, maybe fourth round pick uh, on someone. But what I really am hoping for, especially if we, if we go wide receiver is give me a different dynamic. Give me something that, that changes the perspective where, you know, I want a, a taller guy has a big catch radius can, can kind of muscle up high points, the ball. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily have that. When you look at Darius Slayton, great wide receiver, not necessarily his specialty golden Tate, not necessarily a guy that you, you toss up and go get it. And Sterling Shepard is clearly kind of that interior slot possession guy that we're hoping can stay healthy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of concern, but there's a lot of intrigue around the wide receiving core going into this year and how Darius Slayton's next step develops the health of Sterling Shepard, the age of Golden Tate, the return of a Coleman who has speed, but again, not the size. And that's why uh, just briefly on it, uh, we talk about friend of the show, Paul Dettino. I'll throw it out there. Uh, but we had a nice exchange on on Twitter where I said, you know, to me, the ideal for the Giants is to to trade back at the top of that second round, get a mid, get a mid third as well, and then go wide receiver edge, you know, in those rounds. I got a lot of positive feedback from Paul on that. And that's where, again, you know, my, my dream, dream within a dream of Chase Claypool. I think that that's tremendous value in the middle of that second round. And to your point, brings a body into the room. And you could name a lot of other guys that have size and have great hand strength. And like you said, high point the ball, but plugging in a guy of that caliber in the mid second round, and then specifically targeting a nice group of edge rushers in the third could be a great way to balance things out. Obviously we'll wait and see. Let's pivot our attention. Now beyond that first round, Andy, who is a non first rounder that you are most confident the New York football giants will be drafting on day two of the NFL draft. So that is an interesting question because it, it doesn't have to do with what we want, right? Like I think I think a lot of times we're saying, who are the players that we love? And obviously you have an affinity for for Chase Claypool. Um, I have an affinity for Andrew Thomas in the first round. I think he's he's the best offensive tackle. But that doesn't necessarily mean what the what are the Giants going to do? What is mm-hmm. Edelman thinking in his mind? Now, this one, this is a very, very tough question because – the further you get away from the first round, the more variables come into play 
and the more challenging it can be to really pin, you know, stick a pin on someone. But my belief is with our third round compensatory pick, I think, and I feel most confident that the New York Giants are going to draft Matt Hennessy, the center from Temple. Mm. And I say that for quite a few reasons. One is he is a local guy, grew up a diehard Giant fan. Not that that necessarily matters, but he wants to be a New York Giant. Two, it is an area of need that we just mentioned that the Giants do have. Three, the third round compensatory pick is far enough back for me at the center position where I feel like you start getting a little bit of value because it is someone that starts for you, even albeit on an interior lineman position. So for me, if I have to put, you know, throw a dart at something, it, it seems all, all the stars are aligning. It seems to make a ton of sense for the Giants in that late third round pick. I think one of the interesting things about uh, particularly Hennessy, uh, as you had highlighted on previous episode, has some injury concerns. And one of the things that you hear around the draft as well is the way that different teams evaluate red flags off the field issues and also injury concerns. Regardless of how maybe the league as a whole feels, Dave Gettleman and the Giants are are a team that hesitates on injuries and then of course on red flags, right? Character issues are are paramount for the Giants when it comes to the draft. I think injuries are also a high enough concern. So I would be curious to think to see whether or not they evaluate him in a way they go, that injury isn't too glaring for us. We're willing to take it. Um but there's a high it, it makes a ton of sense in terms of how the draft board could fall, getting to that spot and saying, here's a big area of need and you'd be making the case of we address tackle, we address edge, we address center, and now we've, we fix the offensive line in the first three rounds. So I, I can't argue with that stance. I, I'd like to say Chase Claypool, as we talked about, but this isn't about my, these aren't about my dreams. These aren't about my dreams, Andy. This is about the reality of where we think the Giants are going to go. So I, I want to reference just some of the stat lines on him. Uh, and this is a later round pick. I'm talking about going back into the fifth or sixth round potentially here. Uh, there's some size concerns around him at his position, and that's David Reese second out of Florida. Outside linebacker could move to inside potentially. The reason why I think that you could see the Giants target him in that sixth round range, top of the sixth round, maybe even at the beginning of the seventh if he was there, because that is kind of the range you can think about him going, is you know, 6'1, 227. So you're talking about a smaller guy from the linebacker position, but incredibly in- instinctual has a real nose for the ball in the run game. So he definitely attacks downhill. Watching some of his tape, he tracks the running back incredibly well, moves from sideline to sideline along with the play, and then finds the right gap to cut into. And also the the natural instinct that he shows in being a short tackler, I think is value there. So when you look at that linebacking core and you think about how we brought in some pieces, but still need to continue to build it out. This seems like from a fundamental, right? From a Joe judge, I want guys that do things well, that I can put in position to have success. This could be a nice late round pick for the giants that helps to build out the depth of that linebacking core and all of his measurables, all of his skill sets, I think lend itself to where the giants might be from a perspective standpoint. That that's that's an interesting one because obviously we released Ogletree, um, Ryan Connolly com- coming off a, a, a tough knee injury. Don't know necessarily, especially with no offseason program, how he's going to be able to respond early in the season. There are opportunities for some of these late fifth, sixth, seventh round picks for the Giants 
to be a rotational player early on if they can mm-hmm. really catch on and work hard and understand the playbook. So, I, you know, that is, that's an interesting one to me. You know, obviously we signed Blake Martinez and, and Fackrell to, to be part of this linebacking core, but you can never have too many linebackers situational coming in, you know, especially if he's good, if he's good against the run, kind of that ball hawk get it, getting after it. So I would be, that would be a great call, Adam, especially knowing that, as we get later on in those fifth, sixth, seventh round, that's kind of where people say, we don't really care if he's projected to be a seventh. We're going to go get him in the fifth if he's the guy that we really want. And he could be one of those guys for the Giants in the fifth or the sixth round. So, yeah, be very interesting how it plays out. I will, before we turn over to players that we want the Giants to stay away from in, in the draft, I'll also just note the idea of, as I highlight about offensive linemen potentially, there's a number of guys uh, like an Alex Taylor, fifth to seventh round prospect, who is a former basketball player at the college level, has a lot of athletic traits, needs to develop. There's other players, and I'm going to the legal pad for this, but uh, you know, Cameron Clark started starting at left tackle in Charlotte, guard offensive tackle, fourth to sixth round range on him. There, there's some value in those rounds as well for the Giants in terms of getting in guys that maybe could use a year or two to season, but specifically someone like Clark who played at left tackle already. So you feel like you have a nice base there or some value picks in terms of athleticism, unlike at the top end of the draft where you don't want to risk on athleticism that needs development, you can certainly go that way. So those are those are also just an area of need that I think you can see the Giants go if they're still holding on to some late picks in the draft. It, it, it's simple for me, and and maybe this is why I'll never be a general manager. One of the many reasons why I'll never <laughs> make it. Right? What's been holding you back, Andy? But what, what's holding me back is the way that I look at it is first round, I want a high floor. And so that's why a guy like Becton, who has all the size in the world, all the athleticism in the world, his floor to me is different than a guy like Thomas or Wills, where I think he's got such a, a bigger range. I like my first round picks to be a little bit safer. Like at minimum, I know this guy's going to be a 10 year starter. Like mm-hmm. I just know he's going to be there. Whereas in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you know, there's a reason why these guys are being drafted later. It could be injury history. It could be uh, playing out of position. It could be uh, off field concerns. It could be a wide variety of things, but that's where I'm willing to take some of these lotto ticket long shots and say, if we could find a way to just harness that one thing that we know that that guy does really well, maybe we've got a diamond in the rough. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm way more interested in the fifth to seventh round on, on really taking some long shots on some athletic guys that, that maybe just need a shot. And on the flip side of this, Players we want the Giants to stay away from. And I looked at it from this perspective, and I'll, I'll throw it over for yours. If you have a couple of guys, feel free to throw them out. I approached it not only just from maybe the player specific, and then also where in the draft they're projected to go. So you're talking about issues I may have with a skill set, and then also issues about value for where you're selecting them. Where where does your mind jump out? I feel like I know where you may go initially. I actually don't know if you know where I'm going to go initially. Uh, we talked a little bit about the wide receiver position. Um, there's a couple of guys that I, I don't know. I f- First one, while he is a great player, and most people have him going in the first round, and most people have him going top four wide receiver, um, there's been multiple articles that have been written that the Giants, if they had interest in any of the top wide receivers – it would be Henry Ruggs would be the one that they would pick. And mm. to me, that's that's just shocking uh, for the Giants when it that doesn't seem to be filling the area of need that they have. You know, he's under six foot. He's lightning fast. He's the, He was the fastest player at Alabama last year. 
he has that that ability to take any ball to, to you know for a touchdown for sure. But to me, it that that would just seem like a luxury pick. Um, even if the Giants traded back in or he fell or whatever, that I would just kind of shake my head at and, and say doesn't really fill the need that that I think that the Giants have right now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. And, and I guess it's hard sometimes when you think about a, a player that has a skill set that doesn't necessarily fit your need perfectly, but is incredibly talented. But I would be shocked if that was someone that got called. And to your point, would be uh, what preference would be for them to shy away from him. I'll briefly touch on the one in terms of the offensive tackle pool, and that is Mackay Becton. You just mentioned his name. I, I just the, the risk reward on a guy that shows a lot of athletic traits relative to, like you said, high floor potential. So if the Giants, even if they trade back to six or whatever it is, if they're taking a, an offensive lineman high in the draft, I think Wills, I think Thomas, you want to throw in Worf depending on where you are. I, I can get on board with any of those to some degree, but Becton, I, I suffer too much from Eric Flower syndrome, and I, I can't risk saying, oh, look at the measurables. He does need to work on some things. That's the kind of two or three years down the road. Now you're still looking to address this need at a key position on your offensive line. And given, again, Daniel Jones, I don't want to risk that. Yeah. My, my, my bigger one for me is Zach Bond. Um, and the reason being is for all the, for some of the things that I liked about Reese, Reese the second there late in the draft, Zach Bond is a fairly undersized player at the linebacker position. They're talking about him maybe being best suited to kick inside for inside linebacker play and then in some sub packages, rush the quarterback. And this is a combination of it's not just his skill set. It's also that you're talking about him being maybe at the top end of the second round. And I just don't love the value of that player at that position because I don't think you have the guaranteed floor that you want with that selection there. So I, I would be a little bit discouraged if the Giants addressed line in the first round and then at the top of the second jumped at, at Bond, who over the course of this has slid down down you know the draft boards of a lot of people. He was you know back into the first, pushing a little bit higher, and then since then has really fallen to that top second round range. So that would be a name that I, I would hesitate to hear get called. Well, also he's had uh, a little bit of a diluted test, the dreaded diluted test. Uh, where he says he just drank too much water. And, uh, you know, some people have said you have to drink like 300 ounces of water to be able to get that much of a diluted test. I was uh, thirsty. Yes. I was really thirsty. Very thirsty. Very, extremely <laughs> thirsty. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think you're, you're right on the money. Look, it, talent meets value at some, at some stage. And if you said he's there for us and slips to the fourth round, that's a completely different discussion rather than the second round where, like you said, they may kick him inside. We already have Blake Martinez. It seems a little bit redundant there. Um, you know, the honorable mention for me, uh, which is probably where you thought I was going to go originally, um, is Cesar Ruiz, the center for Michigan. And it, it's very similar to what you talked about before is he is a good player. I would like him on the New York Giants. But if you said, am I willing to draft a center with the 36th pick? When a guy like Chase Claypool is out there, when a guy like T Higgins has fallen, when there's multiple edge rushers sitting out there that are help willing to help change the game. I just, in my mind, cannot fathom the Giants taking a center that early when there's guys like your boy, Darrell Williams or Matt Hennessy, potentially 35, 40 picks later. Well, so, so here's what's funny about it. That's one, one of my footnotes. I had Ruiz listed down here, but for a different reason. My argument was if there's a player I don't want, it's a group of players. I don't want – I can I can get on board if you want to take Ruiz at the top of the second round. I'm not saying I would love it, 
but he is the lock fire best center in this draft. Every the measurables, the attitude, the approach, the leadership qualities, all of it's there. Anyone after that at the seventh position before the fifth round with a guy like my guy, Daryl Williams, I don't want to see the Giants sniff at a center until later in the draft. If you if you want to commit to a center, take Ruiz at the top of the second. Don't look back. You address your offensive line. You're all set there. But if you get beyond that 36th pick, I do not want to see you going, even in your case, like you know, Matt Hennessy, Cushionberry, all these guys have a lot of skill, but none of them have that clean record in terms of not an area they need to work on, something they might want to improve, potential for some issue here. So uh, I'm on the same page-ish with you, and I just think it's going to be interesting. because Once you move past it, I talked about at the top, my hierarchy of draft needs. I think center, unless you're targeting, unless the Giants love Ruiz, after that, I think you just you put that thing on the back burner, and at some point you look to grab one. I, I wouldn't necessarily go third, fourth round in, in that direction. I mean, you know how I feel about the center position. I've I've made it very well known, and the proof is that they moved Nick Gates over, and he's been snapping the ball for the last three months. So they're they're hoping that Nick Gates' athleticism, even though he's never played center in his life, he can transition to the center position and maybe fill a hole internally for the Giants so that they don't have to reach in the second round to, to grab a center. So that's something to keep in the back of our minds too, is if they draft Ruiz in the second round, they're basically punting on, on Nick Gates being a true contributor to the offensive line. If they wait, then all of a sudden you have a, a little bit of a competition between Gates and Williams or Cushenberry or whoever it may be later on. Well, and that's not necessarily true. I mean, I think from from a gate standpoint, he he'll still be competing for you know. If you only get one offensive lineman here, I think I'd like to think now because he kicked in and is snapping the ball, you might say they're trying to get the best value out of him. But I think he's still going to have an opportunity to compete for the right for the right tackle position. Now you brought in Fleming. I I, I you know best player is going to come to the top there. Um, maybe you're right. You know, worst case scenario here, you're looking at Gates being the quality depth swing tackle center guard for this team and you love having that there um but but at the very least i think that he's he's shown the versatility that you'd like to have that nothing would make me happier than for gates to find a starting role that the giants are confident with him across this line and if it's center i'd actually be ecstatic because then you go ahead and take that knee completely off the board and go ahead and continue to address yeah so i i love that scenario and hopefully it plays out the the last piece that we dive in on here of course is final verdict at, at the top of this draft everything considered the speculation the trade downs every which way but loose where do you think where do you see the giants ultimately going what is the ultimate move for them sitting at 4 right now <sighs> okay so we're going to come back in tomorrow about yes, 30 minutes you know 30 minutes before draft time maybe even longer than that uh and and really kind of hone in what we want but as we sit here, you know, like you said, 30 hours away from the draft, I just have this pit in my stomach that that they're going to draft Isaiah Simmons. I just, I just really? think he's so versatile on defense, and I think they love that because you can, you, you can disguise him in so many different looks when you're thinking about getting pressure on the quarterback. Is he playing, you know, edge rusher? Is he playing outside linebacker? Is he playing inside linebacker? Is he in the covering the slot? Is he covering the tight end? Is he playing safety position? You can move him around so much and give so many exotic looks with him that I think that that's one of those things where it's like, wow, that that opens up so many different areas that we can shift this defense around to give different looks that maybe they've never seen before because he is so athletic. And like I've said before, I like him as a player. I almost love him as a player. I like what's not to like. He's got speed. He's got size. He can play multiple positions. It's just 
<sighs> when, 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 if they call his name, which, which that's where I'm leaning, they're going to, going to be now, I'm going to kind of put my head down. I'm going to be rooting for him if he's a New York giant, but deep down inside, then I'm like, we literally the house is on fire. We have to get whatever <laughs> tackle is in the second round. Like you may as well lock in the first two picks right out of the gate. If they're going to take Simmons at that point. And the interesting part about that too would be whether it is an Evan Ingram trade like we highlighted or having to package and dive back into the back end of the first round because there's a chance that if, if you if, if you still look at the line and say you have that need that you want to target, you may have to get back into it to make sure you secure the player of interest. And the concern there potentially is I, I've highlighted Isaiah Wilson and saying I like him, but is there a clear difference between the top four and then that second group of offensive linemen? A hundred percent. So you're you're maybe risking a potential letdown uh, in that regard. The For me, for me, it's tricky. Uh, the, 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 without going too deep into these trade-down scenarios, what I will highlight is small trade-downs to, say, six with, 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 the, uh, with the Chargers, maybe even seven with the Panthers, which that would be the case where I think they covet Simmons. And then you're talking about being in, in an offensive line position. My only concern there, and it's specifically probably around taking a tackle, is that the Giants could find themselves where if the Chargers leap up to get the quarterback of their choosing and Miami with multiple three total first round picks says we can wait on the quarterback. Now an offensive lineman is in play for them. And all of a sudden the guy that you want to target may come off the board for you. Uh, For me, I want to see the, uh, I want to see them take Andrew Thomas. I don't think that's a huge secret. I think that they may go Jedrick Wills, and I'd be okay with that. He's going to plug in on the right side and become your starter. Uh, but I do, I do have some some reservation about trade down scenarios and things shaking out in a, in an unfortunate way where the Giants are stuck on the outside looking in at six or seven because of the way some other teams go. So I'll be curious to see it. My gut right now is Wills, and I wonder if, to your point, Gettleman has that infatuation with Simmons where it doesn't matter. Thanks for the offers, fellas. We locked in, we're committed to this guy and then we're going to play it out. But I, I, I just can't see Joe judge not saying I need to fix this thing in front of my, my quarterback, right? I got to fix this thing in front of Saquon Barkley. How can you not want to attack that need first? And you make, and you make a strong case, you make a valid case, which is why I'm so concerned. <laughs> I, well, and, and my, and my biggest thing is Joe judge knows Nate Solder. He knows him. Right. And, and, what kind of fan was he going into it? What, what, you know, they, they let him sign a free agent contract with the giants. So they knew something that the giants didn't, does he have faith in him? If he does, he may say, this guy could transform my defense. I can work with the left side of the line. We've got Nick Gates going at center. We signed cam Fleming and we could get the offensive tackle. Like, you know, Isaiah Wilson on on the right side, like let's get the transformer defensive player instead. Like Mm -hmm. there are a ton of scenarios where I can see the giants actually saying, we don't need to spend a first round pick on an offensive tackle, which scares me to death. Um, but again, they're, they're sitting there with those players. They have familiarity with some of these guys. Uh, it's going to be crazy to, to, to see what happens at four. The way uh, the Giants grade out the tackles in all the tiers throughout the draft, how they look at other edge rushers and linebackers in the second, third, and fourth round, how they look at the center position as well. All of those things are going to be constructing the Giants' big board for Gettleman and Judge, and that's what makes it tricky to kind of pinpoint and say, 
well, if they felt this way about the linebacking group, obviously Simmons should be the guy at the top or or the offensive line position. So it's all going to play out, friends, in, in just a little bit over 24 hours. As Andy mentioned, we're going to be coming back in live streaming on Sportscaster. We'll probably come at the top of the hour. We're going to run it through as far as we can, as long as we can survive on first-round draft coverage for you. So uh, be sure to check in with us on that. As always, follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast. Head over to iTunes, download, rate, review, and subscribe. Check out our interview with John Hilleman, an absolute fantastic guest on the podcast. Uh, you know, had a great conversation with Scott Mason around the idea of allowing late round or free agent signings after the draft to develop, and that makes me stay, want to stay away from running back at all in this draft to some extent. That's a little tease, maybe. Uh, but beyond that, man, check that out. He's a fantastic player. Looking forward to seeing how he develops this offseason and going into the year as well. That does it, Andy. Uh, get, get us the heck out of here. As always, let's go Big Blue. Bang!